Yeah, let's talk about real estate. And really what the whole point of this is, is to shed a little transparency and light when it comes to people's mindset for commercial real estate and how you get into it, right? And so anyone can do commercial real estate. This misconception that you have to have money, a ton of experience, uh, networking, uh, resources, etc., etc. It's not that people are wrong. Yeah, all that shit really helps. But the truth is, if you compare it to residential real estate, compared to commercial, it's pretty much the same shit. It's like me selling a t-shirt for $5 and me selling a t-shirt for 100 bucks, right? It's still a t-shirt. It's just how you value yourself and your time. And that's really what I try to push out there is people need to value themselves more and believe in themselves more and have a little more conviction in their abilities to be able to, to generate that income they're really looking for. Because I, I come across a lot of talented people that are trading their time at like five to $20,000 a deal where they could be doing you know, 10, 20 times that a deal, if not you know, far more than that. And the only difference, yes, is time and experience and resources, but the number one killer is disbelief. You walk into the, the room thinking, oh, I can't be in that room or I can't do this because I'm lacking all this shit. And Tony Robbins said it best. Everyone needs to learn how to become more resourceful. You never have a lackage of, or lack, excuse me, thereof, of resourcefulness. So if you have a desire, a genuine desire, no bullshit, no uh, just hate on other people because you don't know any better, but if you genuinely want to put in the elbow grease, then you can make it. Anyone can make it. I started when I was 17. I'm 33 now. I busted my chops to get to this place where I'm at right now in my life. I'm very happy, but there's always room to grow. And so no matter where you're at in life, I'm not going to lie. It's not like, oh, overnight you're going to make tons of money. But if you give it, I'd say 12 months, 24 months of your life, you're going you're to definitely see a return on your investment. And, and that's really why we created MTIP University is because I probably recruited and trained dozens, hundreds of people at this point in my life. And I, I realized I kept repeating myself and the filtering process the only the guys that end up making six, seven digit incomes, which I have several, these were the guys that I didn't have to micromanage. They came into the office early. They left late that night. They were go-getters. They were hungry. They were persistent. They believed in the impossible and then made it possible. You know what I mean? So like they didn't come in saying, oh, I'm going to make five grand and that's my goal and that's it. They said, I want to make five. And the second they made that five, they jumped to the 10. They were like constantly in flux to try to keep pushing themselves forward because they didn't really care about the money. They just love the game. And once you get to that mindset where you're in love with what you're doing, it's like a, it's like a love affair, then anything is possible. Really, that's really the, the, the bottom line of it. So again, really excited to be here. I, I'd love to take this, this hour or so to really break down for all those people out there that have disbelief, there are ways to get into this business if you're not an investor, if you don't have an education. Guess what? You gotta get educated. You gotta find yourself a mentor, someone to help you, guide you. I did, you know what I mean? You gotta surround yourself 
with people that are doing it, not the naysayers that are telling you you can't do it, okay? And so MTIPU is something we're going to talk about, I think, in more detail towards the end of this, but I know you, you had some questions for me uh, when you first reached out to me. You had questions you want me to go over. I'm all ears. I'm happy to answer anything you want, but really don't, don't have this belief. It really starts from disbelief. You have to have a positive, can-do mindset and understand that there is no difference. The only difference is in your own fucking head. Okay, no problem, brother. Oh, much better. I could hear you better. Yeah. Oh. Okay, good. Sure, okay. Uh, for those that don't know, I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I moved when I was nine to Israel, state of Israel. I moved back when I was just shy of 16. And then I recently, over the last several years, moved to Miami, Florida, and it was the best decision of my life, mind you. And I highly recommend that move for anyone that uh, wants to live in sunshine every day of the year. But that's where I, I, I'm from. I got into commercial real estate when I was about 17 years old. I was in high school and junior high when I moved back from Israel. Um, I had a great upbringing. Uh, I was upper middle class. I wasn't lacking anything. I had, I had very, very solid parents. God bless them both. And uh, until the point where my dad went bankrupt and that was the game changer in my life. Uh, it was a culture shock to go from country to country, forget about city to city. I didn't know the language. Um, and I didn't have any friends, and uh, so it was tough. And then coming back to America, um, I came back by myself. My parents stayed back in Israel. I had failed school in, in Israel, and I was a, a troublemaker, quote-unquote. Excuse me. And so, long story short, when I came back, I stayed with my, my, my grandma, my, my late uncle, Cameron, God rest his soul, great man. And my grandpa, we all hibernated together in a, in a two-bedroom spot. And I slept on the floor for a, quite a while until eventually I shared a bed with my grandma. And I have no problem sharing this story because there's no fucking posing here. There's no, you know, I'm a big shot and I got a lot great, this grandioso life. Everyone started from shit, man. Most people... You know, they're, they're trying to be something they're not. They don't own up to who they are. And I got no problem sharing my life because that's my truth. 
So that's why I started. Anyways, my father was a contractor and a builder. My uncle, which I was staying with, was a developer and a builder. And my first cousin, Frankie, which I adore and love to this day, as well as some other cousins, uh, which were all ro male role models to me at the time, um, were all in the real estate game. And he himself was a commercial industrial real estate broker in downtown Los Angeles. So I was in high school. Again, came here. I was wearing funky looking clothes, didn't fit in. Nobody liked me. I found a clique of like three Israelis because that's what I became. I became Israeli after spending so much time there. I went to uh, Beverly High and uh, I was looking for what to do. I worked, I was washing dishes at Chin Chin restaurant in Brentwood when I was that age. And then eventually I got a, a gig becoming a DJ on the weekends. Okay, these are my first uh, teenage years of working. And I'd make like four or 500 bucks with my best friend. We'd split the, the, the work. And we thought we were king of the hill because uh, we'd get to go to all the fancy mansions in Beverly Hills and eat food-free food, catered food. And uh, life was good. Until one day, I got, not one day, a summer, over a summer, between junior and senior year, I was bored. And my cousin Frank said, why don't you come hang out with me? And he's a super cool guy. Like the guy now is 55. He's probably the, the highest energy 55-year-old that you're, you're going to meet. Um, he's a highly successful commercial industrial broker still in Los Angeles, one of the top uh, ranked in his tier. And I got the privilege of spending that summer with him, and I basically became his personal errand boy. I became his personal bitch. Whatever he wanted me to do, I did, you know. Scratch my back, I'd scratch. Go get fetch food, I'd fetch. Go fill up the car with gas because we got to go tour buildings, I did it. And I didn't question him, and I loved him. Maybe because he was my family, I loved him so much, I admired him, I just, I had a, a desire to do it, but I really had a desire to learn. And it really started from that, that, that interest in wanting to become like him. And the reason I wanted to become like with him is because the guy was making millions of dollars a year, brokering deals, and at one point, fast forward, this guy bought a giant house in Calabasas, not too far from Kobe Bryant's uh, old place, God rest his soul. And the guy would come downstairs from upstairs in his underwear, make phone calls, and close commissions, 200,000, 400,000. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I used to schlep and fucking pick up ketchup uh, inserts at Chincha, whatever it was, for $6 an hour, net net. This guy's making 100 grand in his underwear? The disbelief, you know, until you don't actually see it, you don't see a check, you don't see it get deposited, you're like, this guy's a fucking drug dealer. This guy is not real. So, and I think that's what this generation's problem is. They watch a bunch of fucking fakes on Instagram be disingenuine, and you don't know who's real anymore. So for me, that hands-on experience turned me the fuck on, and I was like, even though I didn't like agree with how, like his personality in some sort, I knew I wanted to be as successful as him, if not even more successful. And that fire just lit me up at that age, at 17. And uh, luckily he was also a great supporter and advocate for my success, you know? There's a lot of people you end up working for in life, they put a thumb on top of your head. They don't wanna see you grow. 
They don't want to see you scale. They don't want to see you succeed. And if you ever work for anyone like that, if they give you the hint of it, run. Run the other direction. No matter what your position is, just as a side note advice, never work for anyone that doesn't want to see your success. That doesn't... Like, I have people working for me. I have a kid that's 20 years old. His name is David as well. I'm dying for this kid to become 100 times more successful than I ever have in my life. It would be like the biggest sense of accomplishment for me. Because everybody's... Um, What's the word? Everybody's capacity is just different, right? And I, I'm happy. I'm content and self-satisfied. And the person that you're working for should feel that way too. And uh, just so as a side note, I had that luxury with him. He told me, listen, you want to get in this business, you got to, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's long hours. And you're in, you're in business for yourself. You're 1099, you're sales. There's no salary. Uh, you know, nobody handed me down anything in my life. You got to go and get it. I said, okay, what do I have to do? He said, go get your real estate license. So the qualification at that time, and it's the same today, uh, was you had to be 18 years old to get your real estate license in California. So I waited. And in that time, I basically went to school, obviously. And I uh, went to school and studied for the exam. That's really all I could do. There was no online courses. There was no MTIP university. There's none of this shit. And if, if you even got the opportunity to get your license, no one's going to hire some mid Middle Eastern kid that looks like a fucking terrorist in the middle of uh, Whiteville, downtown LA. Well, that's bright. No one's going to do it because a lot of you, something you, you don't know, and obviously you being an African-American male, a minority, like, like I'm considered white, but I'm really mid Middle Eastern. I'm Jewish. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me just from the way I look. Forget about the way I sound or my age, right? So it was hard. Brokers in California and downtown LA, industrial brokers, they're all fucking mayonnaise white. Everybody. And it's like older, very conservative. They wouldn't give you the time of day. So if you weren't like one of them in their little club, they wouldn't admit you. And, and, I, and I recognize that. And I said to myself, okay, then the only way I can succeed is if anyone, literally, if anyone gives me an opportunity, I'm just going to take it. I'm not going to, because I don't care what people will say about me. I don't care what kind of abuse I'm going to get. I'm determined. But one thing I realized after spending time with my cousin was that I didn't believe in family, mixing business and family together. So the day I got my license, I basically abandoned ship on him. And I said, listen, man, can you get me like uh, an opportunity working at someone, someone else's firm? I don't want to burn your leads. I don't want to burn your time. I know you're busy. I'll work anywhere, really. So he ended up getting me a plug uh, at two different interviews at two different brokerages, small boutique firms in downtown, which was probably, the, the I mean, obviously the biggest leg up. Um, I didn't really try to set out to go find my own thing. It was just really a hand-me-down. That was probably the only hand-me-down I got. And I went, I didn't like the first interview, even though the guy was an older Jewish man, one of my tribe, I didn't vibe off that guy. I ended up going to work for a, a, a Nazi. This guy was German, Mexican, he was a mutt, and uh, he was an atheist. And at the time I was, I was very like Jew, Jew, Jew this, Jew that, very prideful. And it was a culture shock. This guy fucked my life up. He shit-talked my people. He shit-talked every people. He's a racist, a bigot. But 
as far as the business ethic and the workflow, the guy's a, a fucking genius. He'd get to work, he'd be up at four in the morning, at the office by 6.30, um, didn't have wife, didn't have kids. He was, he was married to his work. And the guy was making millions of dollars a year brokering industrial deals. And he was an expert and a specialist um, in his craft. And it was just him and three other female secretaries that were underneath him. And he had his own property management company. He probably ran over maybe 100, 200 assets with those three women. And these are like FedEx uh, industrial facilities, like giant spaces. So he was raking in the cash, both on cash flow, on other people's assets. And I think today I recently looked him up just for fun because I got the, the ability to do it. I think the guy's got like 60, 70 assets in Los Angeles, around Los Angeles. Little nuggets, 500, a million, 2 million that he's accumulated over a 40-year career. And wow, to this day, I'm just astonished by that guy. He taught me a lot, a lot more than I learned uh, with any other person up until that point, including Frank or my father or my, you know, anybody else. The guy was a tough motherfucker. And he molded me at a time where I didn't have my dad around. I didn't have too many male role models. And I was kind of on my, my, my lonesome. So to this day, even though I don't talk to him today, um, because we had a falling out, I have the utmost respect for that man. I appreciate everything he did for me and my family. And uh, yeah, sometimes the toughest love is the best when you, when you least expect it. So that's what happened. I got my, obviously was there for about uh, three years. I turned 20, uh, 20, 21. I got my broker's license and I bounced. Now the reason I bounced in short was, this is where I invested my first business. I know this, you asked me about this and I, and I failed miserably in that first business, but I had um, accumulated, I'd made some, by the way, I didn't say this, in the first three weeks of me walking into real estate as a licensed realtor, I made about 60 grand. I closed my first deal. And, and that was the most money I'd ever made in my life up until that point. And I thought, wow, what an idiot I was all these, all these years. Like, Two years, three years, I've been working uh, in, in mediocre jobs. I said, if I can do this, wh where's the limit? So I never wanted to do anything I did before because now I had this, going back to belief, right? I had this a concrete assertion, this ratification of a, I made money. Shit, this is possible. A and it's really hard for people, by the way, as a side note, like I was saying earlier, for people that haven't made the money, that haven't gotten that certain dollar amount, to be like, that's even possible. So, made the money, saved my money, um, and then uh, I, I, I saw in the process, and this goes into prospecting, um, I, was, I used to ask the guy, go, listen, how do, you, how do you make business in real estate? How do you start the business? So outside of education and knowing uh, the terms and the language and the, the contracts and all that shit, or meeting people, it really came down to prospecting your day-to-day -day meeting new people. And I asked the guy, I said, listen, you've been doing this for 30 years. How do you prospect for real estate? And he says, you got to go canvassing, door knocking. Because back then, uh, which is very different jungle than it is today, there were no phone numbers. I said, isn't there phone numbers? Can I just call people? And in commercial real estate, most of these assets are owned by LLCs, corporations, trusts. 
and a lot of people don't know this today that there's resources that can give you those phone numbers I'll just plug it in right now there's a company called Reonomy.com that I use that gives amazing phone numbers and uh, great property analytical information for commercial property nationwide excuse me uh, but I, that didn't exist back then so I would sit with the guy and uh, he said go prospecting so I would print a plot map I don't know if you know what that is a plot map is a it looks like a domino size map it's a black and white with uh, shapes polygons of a city block and it would tell you the parcel number on each one and it would give you a visualization of the block you're walking and I would walk the block and I would go and give a business card get a business card because you know I had the gatekeeper the secretaries in these businesses it wasn't like you're walking into someone's home and talking to a homeowner you're talking to a guy that's in the garment business or in the electronic business or in the clothes out whatever business and you're not going to get into that office there's like 50 people will stop you before you get into that warehouse but if you do and if, you, and if I ever did amazing most people would just say just give me your card I take a card and then I would have that to like follow up with so I ended up stapling these cards to these little maps highlighting them and I made this book after a few months I had a bunch of of leads right that I had accumulated and then one day I pitched the, the broker, my broker at the time, his name was Mike as well. And I said to him, I said, dude, why don't we offer this service like it doesn't exist to like all brokers? We can make a killing like making a subscription-based business. Now, mind you, this was 2004 or five, and there were, Google had just invented uh, two years later, three years later, uh, these silhouettes. Now that we take for granted, if you zoom in into Google, you can see these boundary lines of the lots on Google Maps that didn't exist back then so it was like satellite imagery was just popping up uh, a couple of years into it so he was like hmm, that's a good idea yeah he didn't really give a shit the guy was making millions of dollars but he said listen I'll give you a challenge how about you take the zip code we're situated in right now and double down take all the information go canvassing and close your first deal and uh, prove to me that you can make money as a broker prospecting with, with this information. And so in 90 days, I scraped every single plot of land, everything. It was like 2,500 pieces and to a spreadsheet. And I had made this perfectly. I did the reverse search engineer every day. I would search. I would spend seven, eight hours a day searching for numbers and who the true identities of the owners were. And then the next day, I would just dial everybody. Uh, eventually, I got my first lead. And by the way, I talk about all this stuff in, in my MTIP University. And it's a two-hour session just on this. So I'm not going to go into every detail. I ended up closing my deals. The guy said he would become my partner in building this technology company if I did this. I did it. He didn't deliver. I walked. And that's a big, big lesson for everybody here. You got to honor your word. If you commit to something... And the person delivers on it, then you gotta, you know, own up. If not, then that's the red flag. That's the the red line in the the, the desert, the sand. You have to to know to get up and leave. And that's what I did. I left him. I ended up making my own brokerage. Um, when I got my broker's license, and I put all my money. It was like almost a quarter million dollars at the time that I accumulated, including debts. And I built. Uh, I tried to build this technology company. I called it Property Mac. And regretfully, I didn't have enough experience. I didn't know what to do. I just had this brilliant idea and some money. And not enough money and not enough experience. 
and it failed. And I was in the fucking hole. I was in the hole big time, and I was really scared because there was no father around, there's no brothers, there's nobody to, to bail me out, no partners. Um, and till eventually I met my best friend, uh, got into his business, got into sales for them in their business, a brand new business selling patio heaters. I did that for seven years. And then we ended up making a really amazing company and business out of it um, until there was a, another a battle of ego between family members, which I was aware of as a young man. You know, that's doomed to happen in a lot of family businesses. You got one brother that wants uh, more than the other brother or father tries to oversee this. It's a very natural thing that happens that kills a lot of businesses. Great family-run businesses. But the, the benefit I had there was I got a ton, ton of life experience, business experience. Um, it was a sales-based uh, position. I had residual income in it, which was great. Um, and all that was great until that happened. And simultaneously, it was 2017 when this happened. Um, my cousin Frank and I kind of reconnected and the guy that was his VP of sales ended up suddenly out of nowhere dying at 35 years old. He just dropped dead. And it was very sad because he was a great guy. His name was Jeremiah Curry. God rest his soul too. Uh, like, listen, I was trying to grow right now. I said, look, these people just fucked me over in my other business. Maybe it's the time we connect. And, you know, now that I'm a different caliber human being and I come, we run this business together. And we, I came into his brokerage um, as a partner and uh, spent about two years together. And then in 20, uh, late 2018, early 19, last year, uh, we ended up going separate ways because I moved and it was hard to continue that business together as partners. And I opened up MTIP Commercial Real Estate. And the whole premise behind it was to have a, a brokerage firm, but really to, what I learned in those two years running his company and after hiring and firing and doing so much with the other company, uh, I realized education is key. It's empowerment and, and the essence of the word. Um, that's why I'm doing this kind of these interviews and sharing my stories because I realized people don't know me. Okay, the internet's a really big place, a cold place. People judge you um, and they don't know who the fuck you are, what your story is. So I'm glad I got this chance, even though it took a minute, to share kind of a couple broad strokes, a few details. And if you want to learn more, you can hear all my life story at uh, mtipu.com. Um, I share it all in the course in the beginning. And also, we're coming out with a book as well. Thank you for reminding me. We're coming out with a book. It took me 18 months to write this book. Um, it's going to be invaluable for both commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, and, and my story. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at in a nutshell. That's how I got to where I'm at today. Uh, like I was saying, um, there was a family feud. It caused a, a major strain on the business. Okay, we got to uh, double digits and millions in that business from zero to, to really astronomical numbers. And uh, unfortunately, there was a feud in the family. I don't want to get into particulars because I don't want to upset certain people because it's a public medium. But it didn't go well and there was a mistrust and there was a, a problem. And so I couldn't stick around for it. There was too many lawsuits occurring, too many issues. and. 
You know, at the end of the day, each one of us, we're all responsible for our own livelihood. I had to make a move and I busted one. And I, and I was kind of at the point where I was kind of getting bored because I had this passive, almost residual income from reorders all the time. And uh, I saw that there was no growth because there was a bottleneck at the CEO level. I was like the number two or number three in the company, but there was no progression because the person on top didn't know how to push it up. Didn't know how to scale it up. And that's another key thing for you guys out there working for people. If, if you are on the path to success, to growth, and the CEO or your leader or your manager uh, doesn't have that same, same kind of mindset, and you're not in tune in, in, with a synergy, you gotta fucking leave. You gotta leave. And these are all red flags for you to leave and try your own thing or find the right uh, associate partner to, to, to synergize with. But that's why I left. And the guy dying also on his end was like almost perfect timing in a way because he was trying to scale, get a new office, get more people. Um, but he, you know, Frank is like the most glorified salesperson in the essence of the core of the term, he know how to run a company. And I had run a company for, for years now, a successful one, um, compared to when I was just a kid. And so it was a good good energy. He had the capital, he had the prestige, the name, um, you know, 30 something years in the business. So it was a good synergy. So we collided. And I'm very, I'll tell you the truth, to this day I'm very sad that we couldn't continue that, that beautiful merger because we were, we did really well. Uh, for the time for the run we did. Um, and in that time, I developed some crazy, crazy processes, workflows, uh, and technologies that have really propelled my career in the last 24 months in particular, 24, 36 months. That it, It's just game changer. Uh, stuff that I didn't imagine I can do, the scalability of what I'm doing. My life really changed at probably 29, 30 years old. It went from you know, a quarter million, $300,000 in income to over a million dollars, almost $2 million in income from syndication deals, arbitration deals, brokeraging deals, um, marketing deals. You can't do it uh, working for someone else regretfully. You have to be your own person. And what I mean by that is you have to be a 1099. You have to be in sales. Otherwise, you just won't make the money um, being a W-2 or an employee. Um, not to mention, I, in my essence, in my core, I could never just sit and work for someone else, clock in, clock out. It's not in my nature. It's never been in my nature. Since I was a, nine years old, uh, you know, my dad, my dad, Friday nights would come out when I, and we were younger. And this is a true story. My dad used to tell me, uh, they give us an allowance. I get like, let's say, five bucks. My sisters would get... 25 and the other one would get like 50 bucks. Okay, I'm exaggerating. I'm just using these numbers. Uh, and my $5 would cover a pizza and a can of Coke. That was what it was for a little outing. And so I came to my dad and I said, listen, man, what's the, the deal here? Why don't you give me some more money? You're giving the girls more money. Why don't I get any more money? He said, you want more money? Okay, great. Come see me tomorrow. Okay, I said, all right, you can give me that money. <laughs> He had made me, uh, photocopied in his office, a business card with the house line and my name on it. And it said underneath, willing to work for free. And he said, why don't you go to the, the mall down the street and give this business. And I was like 10 years old. And I'm not kidding. In Israel, it was liberal. You can walk the streets. I said, go. I said who's going to employ me at 10? He said, go. Try. 
And I did, and I ended up working for a mini market, like a 7-Eleven per se, scrubbing the floors. And I'd pay, I got paid like, I don't know, buck 50 an hour. Was, I, I thought I was like making bank. But just to show you where that, that mentality came from, I, I did have that privilege when my father ripped me a new asshole at a young age. And I think that the parents out there that are giving of their children, and I don't mean to judge because I'm not a father, but I realized suffering is good. Suffering at a young age, it sticks. Like I'm saying this story, 33 years old, that it stuck with me. And it's at my core, it's at my belly that gives me the fire to get up and to, to persevere every day. Um, also the bankruptcy was a great experience too. A lot of people are scared. Oh, I'm gonna fuck my life up by going to debt. Yeah, it's fucked, you're right, it's shit. No one wants to be in debt, right? But at the end of the day, if you're alive, you're healthy, you got your eyes, your teeth, and this is no, no sarcasm. You could do it again. You can do it 10 times over. Seen people belly up and go bankrupt and come back, bounce back better than ever. You just gotta know that everything's gonna be okay. In your heart of hearts, you need to have belief, self-belief and conviction. That's the core. If there's a message I wanna share in this, this, this interview together, is you gotta have self-belief. And, and just eliminate all these fucking loser people that are sh shit talkers. They're all chickens and shit talkers because they've never tried. And if they tried and they failed, they thought that was it. I failed, so I can't, I can't succeed. I'm, I'm, a I'm marked a failure. And that's just the wrong mindset. So that's how I got back into it. Um, hope that answers that. Sure, sure. That's a very, very fair question. And I know I kind of touched on it in the beginning. And, and, and normally when you have these types of discussions, it's very hard to articulate in a very short span of time what's, what you really, really need. So a lot of people say, oh, that guy's just generalizing. The truth is, it reminds me of a, a story, not to get sidetracked, but it reminds me of a story when I walked up to a religious person, a Jewish rabbi, and I told them, man, this story about Moses and parting of the Red Seas sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And he's like, you really want to know how that went down? And I'm like, yeah, I really do. Otherwise, I just think it's bullshit. He goes, all right, are you willing to commit 20 years of your life? I go, 20 years of my life? What the fuck is this guy saying? He's saying, yeah, you got to devote 20 years to get the answer. Are you willing to do it? I said, no. Then, then always think about it like uh, it's bullshit and that's the way you're going to live your life. Chronically think it's bullshit. 
So the, the, the essence of that story was without education, without putting in the time and the effort and understanding how something works in its core, then you're going to feel like it's impossible. So the empowerment is you have to study. Now, there's, I'm going to give you the macro and steps. Get your real estate license, step one. Okay? Get your real estate license. That will both make you feel like you accomplished something. You'll have a, some level of understanding of the business. Step two is you need to uh, get your ass into some kind of an office environment where there's people doing deals, whether that's brokeraging, buying, selling, transacting, mortgages, whatever, transactions. You got to get be in that environment. You can't do that on your own, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Okay? The fact that I made MTIPU and I'm creating this, this platform is to empower people that didn't know or that might know a little bit or they're somewhere in between and they want to progress. That's what this is for because I know that's what's lacking. So education, get your license. Now, the reason I say get your license outside of empowerment is because when you get your license, you have the ability to, to broker deals. And so, quick example. Um, no matter where you are in the country, you can do this. You can and, and go into a deal um, and you start with people you know. People you know. And then there's all these different prospecting means, which I can touch on in a second, to, to meet people. So assuming you get your license, you have a basic understanding and a knowledge of how the business works, uh, you have a mentor, someone to help guide you. Okay, That's very, very critical. It'll, it's, that's the, process, the difference between spending that 20 years like the guy said or doing it in two years. Someone telling you the whatnots is the big difference in succeeding, especially in commercial real estate. So you get a mentor, you get the education, you get your real estate license, you start brokering deals. Brokeraging deals means you make anywhere between half a point, half a percentage point on a transaction value. So let's say on average, up until 6% would be the maximum a broker would make. Okay, now what does that mean in dollar value? You can do a half a million dollar deal at 5% and make $25,000. You can do a million dollar deal at 5% and make $50,000. You can do, uh, most likely when you're beginning, those under $2 million is probably where you're gonna live. If, you, if you're lucky to do above $2 million, there's not, by the way, there's no difference. Zero to me difference in a $20 million deal, a $100 million deal, and a half a million dollar deal. Same shit. The work is the same. The only difference is you're talking to more arrogant, cocky, stuck-up motherfuckers. But, and, I'd, and I'd much rather do that half a million dollar deal because those people are a lot more pleasant to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And you probably will end up making more margin. Uh, so brokeraging is at its core the, 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 the pedigree to get into the business, you make your money, and then through uh, transacting on behalf of other people alongside them, you're getting that experience to be like, ah, okay, this is how an escrow works. Ah, okay, that's what a buyer and a seller is. Ah, okay, this is what an environmental uh, survey is. Uh, these are the steps you need in escrow. Uh, this is how you write an offer. Going through that uh, regurgitation of work hundreds of times until you get into that escrow. That repetition is what's going to get you that leg up to do it. Now you can choose to do the same thing I just explained in residential real estate and the experience will be the same. Like the steps I just said, get your license, get a mentor, work in an office, start brokering deals. You could have chose that route in residential and said that was your life. 
or you could have started that in commercial. There's zero difference. Zero difference. Okay? If anything, I think dealing with commercial real estate, you're dealing with, even though you're dealing with smarter people, it will make you smarter. The deals are based on requirements, not so much emotion. Residential real estate is a very emotional game, right? Honey, I don't like the neighborhood. You know, kids are going to walk here. Nobody cares. And commercial is like, is my employee going to be able to walk at night would be their safety concern for their business. But generally speaking, this is a lot more functional and numerical, mathematical than this. Okay? So th that's the pedigree. Education, mentorship, um, and brokerage. That's how you get into this game at the very, very beginning of it. And I encourage everyone, fuck me, fuck MTIPU, fuck everything I built. You, you think I'm a con artist? Go fuck yourself, good for you. But at least go out there and try to find someone else that's willing to take it up the ass like I am to try to help you get ahead in life. And I doubt it, you're gonna probably find it because there's very few people that are making a lot of money Okay? And what I consider a lot of money is if you're making over half a million dollars in this country, which everyone thinks is a joke, that's a lot of fucking money. Okay? You're making over half a million dollars, you should go and stick your ass close to that person and try to figure out how they're doing it. Yet alone a million or two million or ten million. Those people won't even look at you. Okay? So let's be in reality. If you want to learn how to get into the game to make... By the way, $20,000 a month is a quarter million dollars. It's a lot of money. I don't know, that, 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 like I know people feeding a family of six with that right now and they're living a, a decent life. That's part of the 1% of this, this country, if not the world. Quarter million. People take for granted these amounts. I, I wanna see someone, the average salary I think in America, what is like four or five grand a month? Four or five grand. By the time you pay rent, taxes, car, food, you're left with, you're negative, fuck zero. You're, you're negative, you're probably gonna go into credit card debt. You're gonna be living, you want that big flat screen TV? You're not buying it, you're fucking charging it. You're financing that, right? So the, the, to, to go from five to seven, just a two grand more, another $25,000 a year, it's really hard. I, I know what I'm talking about because I lived it. So yet alone, like people coming into the business, your ability, if it took you one whole year of making no money in real estate or in commercial real estate, all it takes is one deal, one pop, and it just sets your whole year. Yeah. Into syndication? Okay, so let's explain in short what syndication means for, for everyone out there. Syndication, okay, is not a complicated word. It's not a real estate word. It's a, it means basically a group of people coming together and the core essence of trying to acquire something or to manage something, okay? In the context of real estate, commercial real estate, which is the same, um, you wanna like, this is how it works. You're probably gonna wanna transact as a broker, 
right? You do deals, you do deals, you do deals. And then you start doing this, like deals with the same buyers, right? People that you know they have money. You feel comfortable with them. They feel comfortable with you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to put this guy as an MVP in my roster. Next, excuse me. Next time I find a deal, I'm going to go to Joe, my first guy. And then the more deals you do, you're going to find more Joes. Okay, you might probably get a handful of Joes. And then what you're going to want to do is maybe say, listen, Joe, um, I know this guy, Harry. He's also a very active, great active buyer. He's got a million dollars. I know you got a million dollars. And I know Eric down the street there too. I've done deals with him. And I'd love to set up a meeting for all of us to get together and introduce you all uh, because I'm trying to form a syndicate. And basically that means I want to pool everyone's money together and I'm going to be the, the captain of this syndicate. And I'm going to try to go and get, you guys all know me. You guys all transacted with me. You guys all know I bring you good value and good deals. Um, I'm going to try to, to bring you guys, bring the syndicate these deals. I'm going to find the deals. I'm going to negotiate the deals. I'm going to tie them up, meaning I'm going to put them under contract. And I'm going to go get the financing for the deals. All I really need is for you people to give me the equity. Give me some money. Give me your capital. And if we pool our money together, we can buy exponentially larger assets, which means more money for all of us. Higher caliber property, uh, better returns. And that's really what a syndication deal is um, in its core. And so hopefully that answers that. As far as getting into that, that's exactly the way I, I just explained is the way to do it. You, no one's going to give you their money, okay? I don't care who you are, how good looking, how smart. No one's going to give you money unless you've done deals with them consecutively. You need to help make money for someone, maybe even repeatedly, before they even fathom to think to give you their money wholeheartedly. Here's, let me ask you the best question. Uh, this is a question for everyone. If you had to do it right now in your life, whether you have money or don't have any money in your bank account, if you walked up to or called up your 10 closest people to you in your life and you said, hey man, can I have five grand? Who's going to give you that fucking five grand right now? I challenge everybody. Fuck 5,000. 1,000. And if you're like broke, Ask for a hundred bucks. I bet you no one's going to give it to you. Isn't that sad? People you know for five, ten years, they'll be like, what'd you need the money for? Where's it going to go? Like, bro, you know me for ten years. You know where I live. You know my mom. You know my dad. They won't give you a thousand bucks. Isn't that a fucking sad It's a fact. So, so imagine now you're talking syndication, real estate. Who the fuck's going to give you a hundred grand, right? So the only way to get to that level is with, it's the last level in the playing field. That's what I call the top of the heap. To get the syndication, you really got to rip your asshole. You got to spend time, um, build, build the deals, show your value. And if you can do it on a public, more public uh, forum, which is what I'm not doing at this point in my career, then that's really how you, you're able to connect with, with, with people on a national level and branch out. But in the very, very beginning, you want to start with your core market, the people closest to you, maybe family members, um, rich uncle, rich father, mother. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, big only on talking about men. Women too, there's tons of women, tons of money. Um, whoever that is to you, your wife, your spouse, connect. 
connect with them, and then show them the value and create that role. What's your job? What's my job in the syndicate? And then going after and, and buy the real estate. Now, today, just to give you a plug in what it is that I do, so I'm over the brokeraging, even though I have a brokerage, MTIP Commercial Real Estate. Um, I, I don't, uh, th that's not something I emphasize anymore. The brokerage really is there to mediate for me. I have uh, an acquisitions fund, it's a private acquisitions fund called Broadbridge, which I go and I buy buildings with, buy property with, commercial property. And that company um, basically, hit its core job with MTIP commercial real estate is to find the deal, right? We prospect for the deal, we negotiate the deal, we, ask, we put the contract, uh, we put the property under contract, which means in essence, we now own the equitable rights for a duration of time, which is the due diligence period for that asset. And then we decide, does Broadbridge buy it with its own capital and its own little syndicate, okay? Or does Broadbridge assign it, which means I transfer the rights of that contract to some other group or person in exchange for a fee? Or uh, really, those are the two things. Or you could do a, co a combination what's called like an assignment syndication. And what that means is, let's say I got my core five, six uh, guys and gals that are part of my syndicate. If I find a deal for a million dollars, and I said this to the Bradley guy, a great guy, um, it doesn't matter how much margin you can sell it for. The fact is, you're getting it at a deal, okay? Could be for, from one million to 1.2 million, okay? Yet alone two million or more. I just made a, an exaggerated uh, evaluation last time I said this, so it's very easy to, to understand. But whatever that margin is, you can ask the person you're assigning the deal to, the one that you're going to trade your contract with, you can say whether that's your internal syndicate or an external syndicate or a group, someone else's group or someone else's developer. You can say, listen, I don't want to take all or I don't want to take any money for what I'm exchanging you with. I want to instead take equity, okay? This is, I've said this dozens of times, numerous times, equity in exchange for a position for the, in the, the contract. Now, the only reason, the only way and reason someone would do that is because the asset is so fucking juicy. It's such a good asset. It's such a good value that they'll want to take that deal and do that with you. Now, over the course of my career, I also learned that a lot of these machismos, the, the guys that are, they have the money, they have the, they don't want you as a partner, okay? Now, the only way for you to say there's a value in you becoming a partner is, listen, I've clearly defined what my role is. I'm not a developer, okay? I don't get into the construction. I don't wear boots and show up to the job site the next morning to rehab a place. My job is simple. I market, prospect, negotiate, tie up deals. That's the essence of my position. And I can also help sell the disposition of it. But anything beyond that, management. I don't want to get into management. I don't want to deal with fucking tenants. I don't want to deal with development. I know my role. That's my role. If, and in, in my specific example, I don't want to go to the bank and try to get the debt either. I'm not interested in dealing with the bank 90 days, 60 days, sitting there, paper schlepping a bunch of documents to get that loan. I don't even want to come up with equity. My equity, my cash, is far more valuable to me in my bank account than liquid. And my ability to, to try to sell or buy real estate comes in the value of all that other shit I did to get to that point. 
So if someone's going to give me, if I'm going to own a piece of real estate, it's really going to come from my sweat equity and all the money I dumped into those uh, different segments of my business to get to the point where I have that value to offer to someone. So I tell the guy, I say, listen, I, I, I'm going to be the minority stake partner. It's called a general partner and a limited partner. Okay. The general partner is usually the guy that heads the syndicate. The limited partner is just an equity partner, meaning the person only gives money, does no say in anything, and they just basically, they're, they're just a money guy, okay? So in my case, even though I did all the work to bring the deal, I changed my position from the general partner to the limited when I assign my rights over and I sell it to this, this new syndicate that I become a partner with, they become the general partner, they go and raise all the money to close the deal. They get the debt from the bank. They manage the site. They do the rehab. They do everything an owner that's buying a building is gonna do, they're gonna do. I just take my little nugget, whatever I can get in my negotiation, my skill set, my ability to get a good deal, and I take a smaller position. But here's the beauty in that. A lot of people would protest it, but here's the beauty in that. I didn't put a dollar of my money into the deal. I didn't have so if you make a hundred grand today, you have to pay taxes on the hundred grand. Whatever's left is your savings. That's what you end up investing into real estate. In this case, if I had a hundred thousand dollar fee, I never collected it. So I end up enjoying the whole, I think we, we dropped out of a uh, hundred thousand dollars worth of equity rather than potentially 60. Why? Because if I took a fee, I would pay 40%, I don't know, in taxes normally, right? So I'd be left with 60. Then I would want to go, if I want to become a partner in that syndicate, I would have to reinvest my 60. So by me not taking the fee, not taking the cash per se, and instead exchanging it straight into equity, I'm getting almost, you know, double the value. So that's a, a key component that a lot of people that are doing syndication, they don't really do. Okay, so there's control. Now the aspect of control. That's the, mon the monetary value of it. Then there's control. I'm not, if you're in business and you're an OCD person and you have a mindset of I need to have my hand on everything all the time, th then truth is you might make money, you might get rich, you'll never be wealthy. You'll never be wealthy. And everybody that I've met in my life that's wealthy, and I'm talking about hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars that I've met, and I've met quite a few, I had the, the privilege and the honor to, to meet these people, none of them are OCD control freaks. They all realized to scale, you have to let go of the reins. You have to have belief in people. Even though some people will fuck you, most likely, will con you. You'll have to sue them, and that's part of life. There's no way around it. I don't know a successful person that hasn't been sued. I don't. I've never met one. Fuck, if you're not getting sued, you're guaranteed you're not successful. You have to be getting sued in this country. You, you, someone's pissing someone off at some point when you start making a lot of money. It's either from greed or from just straight out jealousy. Um, but my point is, the, I let go of the control. My ideology, and I'm really pushing that in 2020, um, it, you know, it, I'm not saying assignments and commercial real estate are an everyday thing. They're not. You have to have a system to be able to find these gems. Brokeraging is an everyday thing. You can broker deals all the time. Assigning deals in commercial real estate, if there's a hot, no, I'm exaggerating. If there's 10 brokerage deals, there's one assignment in every 10 brokerage deals. 
if you really stink, maybe there's 20 out of 20, one out of 20, okay? There's definitely room to create assignments. And to give you an extra tip for those of you guys out there that are interested in doing syndications and all that stuff, start with the brokeraging. Build your way up. Build a network of people you know how to do business with. It'll take you a couple of years. God forbid you spent three years of your life, maybe even five years, okay? You're 30, you're going to be 35. You're 35, you're going to be 40. You're 40, you're going to be 50. 10 years. People take it like, oh no, man, 10 years. Yeah, man, that's how long it takes. From like the second you fought out an idea, oh, Eureka, I have this genius idea, to the moment you actually see a million bucks, it might take you five years. People think it's like uh, money grows on trees. It doesn't. But once you have the understanding, the experience, the education, the systems, the team, which all of this I teach at MTIPU in our, in our systems, then yeah, you can make that five years, two years. I can't promise someone that's never been in this business, yeah man, uh, within a few weeks you're gonna make money, within a few months you can make money. I can't, there's no way, it's too much information. But I can tell you what would take someone five to 10 years, I can do in one to three years. That I can do, that's realistic. Someone says, well, uh, how much can I expect to make in my first year in commercial real estate? I say it, maybe 10 grand, maybe up to 50 grand. That's the average. Because the first year you're eating shit, you're learning. You're, it's all about learning. It's like going to college, someone goes to college, right? You're not getting paid to go to school. You're paying the fucking school. You're probably paying 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a year to go to school. The dumbest move in the history of mankind, unless you're gonna be a doctor of some sort, right? So the, I can guarantee if someone came to a four-year institutional graduate, uh, education at MTIPU, at the end of the four years, you're making over 100 grand guaranteed. If you survive four years in this business, there's no way you're not making 100 grand a year. At least 10 Gs a year. A month, excuse me. At least. Most of the guys that I know that have started with me, that ended up that now are in their year four or five, uh, they're making over half a million to a million dollars a year. And these are young guys, under 30. And gals. There's a couple gals in there too. Okay, so it's possible, it's viable. That's the, the, the steps. Um, syndication is probably the top of the heap. That's where you want to end up. People want to become developers. Don't want to become a developer. Development is, the, in my opinion, one of the worst, worst, worst roles in real estate because you get buried into a deal and then the deal runs your life instead of you running the deal. Syndication, what's beautiful about it is it's like you tee up all these scenarios, these deals, and you just give them to someone else. And all you do is collect the benefits, the fruits. So like any business, you know, like I'll give you an example of American Express. American Express... What, you, you know how they make their money, right, Dave? How they make their money? Fees. Merchant fees, right? So processing merchant fees. They say, here's a corporate card. Go charge it up. Every place you charge the American Express, by the way, this applies to Visa and MasterCard too, uh, any credit card. The, the merchant, the person you're buying from, is paying a fee, a transaction fee. At the end of the year, American Express makes billions in sales, right? Billions in sales from these merchant fees. 
And then there's uh, Mike Maccabi in age 22 that couldn't pay his American Express bill. He went into debt. Now he's in a default, right? So American Express calls that bad credit. These are all the people, all the people, out of the 100 clients they have, they probably get maybe one to one and a half people, if that couldn't be in existence, one to two people, that default on their debt. They're fucked, they don't pay the debt back, right? So what does American Express do? American Express, from their clients, makes billions of dollars in which they what? They have to pay taxes on those billions of dollars of revenue. So what they do is they take these losses, these people that didn't pay, and they sell that debt to a secondary market, which we call the collection agency companies, right? And those collection agency companies basically buy that debt for 25 cents on the dollar. So American Express recoups 25 cents out of his 100% that he gave you, and he, he, what we call is he mitigates the, their loss. Now the rest of the loss, they just write off as a tax expense. So they make so much money, they're looking for the loss. So they can basically wash all their gain. If that makes any sense to all of you people out there. So I have no mercy for banks, credit cards, all these companies. They're, they built the system where they cannot lose. And I started to say, wow, if these big companies, these banks, these credit card companies are built in such a sophisticatedly simple fashion, why am I not thinking this way? So if I'm going into the syndication business and I have 10 deals I syndicated and two of them end up fucking me, they take control, they don't pay me my rent at the end of the month, okay. That's life. I got eight good ones. I'm getting paid out every fucking month. And I got two bad ones, right? And that's the mentality you have to have. You can't live in this fear. Oh, I gotta be on top of the deal. Or I have to be, you know, the OCD complex. You'll never scale. That was the best example I could have given anyone out there watching this. The value of letting go of control in order to scale and to really succeed in life. That's the biggest lesson I can give. What else you got? Yeah, and realistically, it's, it's easy to find capital. It's always easy to find capital when the deal's good, okay? People find it, uh, oh, it's so hard to buy real estate. Yeah, it's hard to buy real estate because the real estate you're trying to buy is shit. It's a, and most deals are shit. So yeah. So what do you really, really realize? That the name of the game isn't raising the capital, isn't getting the debt. It's finding the gems, finding fuck you deals and putting your, all of my time and effort in the past, I would say, especially 18 months, really honed down is how to come up with deals, good deals. Because anybody, anybody will come into the deal if it's good. What do you mean?
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one avenue, but if you go back to the most core, basic, rudimentary shit that's been around forever, that's more of like something, a new need, right? The, the existing need that's been around forever is, is this comes from e-commerce, and I talk about this quite a bit. E-commerce is obviously on the rise, and it's only, it started to be double digits as far as the sales in the country in the most recent years. But when you see Amazon, Jeff Bezos, buying $100 million warehouses, that's a, a really, really huge indicator to you that there's a, there's a lackage, there's a shortage. That combined with my market knowledge, because I've done the research, there, there's only like a million industrial buildings in America out of 150 million properties. It's nothing. It's a fraction of a percent. Um, and there's you know, hundreds of thousands of businesses out there, if not millions, especially small owners, small business owners. And these people are people selling on Shopify and, I don't know, Amazon uh, stores and eBay and all these other types of marketplace-oriented websites. People are making a living from their homes or from, I see people doing, uh, renting out public storages and running their small businesses out of there. Right, selling shoes and selling watches and selling all sorts of shit, um, and, and that's these are the the minorities, the small people, like yeah, mom and pop shops. They used to some of these people used to be salespeople for manufacturing companies. Some of these people used to be uh, brick and mortar stores that just couldn't compete because Amazon, the Amazons of the world, like Wayfair, another great company, Alibaba, AliExpress, all these companies, they're just taking people out of the equation. And anybody that's done import in their life, it's a very complicated process. Anybody doing, like I have experience in import, I have experience in manufacturing, it's a mindfuck to get a product out. Like, seriously mindfuck. And the beauty today is you can literally be a nobody with very little capital, pull up a website, open up a store. All you really need to be good at is marketing. If you're able to market that store, that's where you're gonna see the money come in. But you don't have to go deal with the logistics, the customer service, the, I don't know, the manufacturing, the so legal, so much, so much goes involved in it. But I see the future of retail dying, right? The only thing that's going to be left is like, like food, entertainment, special purpose kind of sites. And I see industrial warehousing on the rise. And specifically, I see micro industrial space being... Uh, very, very successful. Uh, one of the ideas I actually want to introduce, but some, several companies now beat me to it a few years ago, I thought of it, was uh, merging the idea of a WeWork. You know what a WeWork is? The creative office. And mixed with a public storage, they have a baby. And now you have a space which is like three to 400 square feet micro space where an e-commerce guy, instead of working from his house and using a second bedroom to store all the shoes, he can go to an actual office, pay month to month um, as a member, kind of like WeWorks, and he can pick the storage space and have an actual cubicle or office space. Um, and I think that's a huge, great business opportunity for anybody wanting to, to, to create a new space within the, the idea of short-term rentals or micro spaces. Uh, I definitely want to get into that business. I'm just overwhelmed right now with what I'm doing. Otherwise, I'd be hard hat and on the, the, the grounds building this stuff. And I see the future going there because people um, are going to need to find new ways to make money for themselves and their families. 
and the traditional ways are just, they're not going to apply anymore. You and I, you're in your 30s, right? You and I already are wearing multiple hats. We're not just doing one career path anymore. Our folks, maybe they did one, maybe two different careers in their life. Our grandparents, they just did one thing. Our children, the kids being born today, the generation, I don't know what the fuck it's called anymore. These kids are going to wear like 10 different hats. They're going to have multiple streams of skill set to be able to thrive because that's what the environment's going to require. And in the real estate game, it's all going to be about micro, micro cubicle stuff. So I see industrial real estate being a huge contender and there's going to be a, a, a great surge. Maybe in that, if not in the short years, I think it's going to happen exponentially. You see a company like Amazon exponentially grow, that's an indicator. They don't have a retail, they have small retail footprint. The real, real business is the logistics facilities. And I'll just, I see that being a huge player and I encourage people, even though it's my business, I encourage people to buy that type of property because the value is just going to be uh, more and more valuable over the course of the years to come. Um, that's very simple. So basically, there's a few types of leases. Okay, there's gross. I'll make it very simple. Is it gross or net? These are the basic ones. Gross lease means that as the owner of the property, you're taking in a, a flat fee for the rent from the tenant, and you're paying for property tax. You're paying for property insurance. You're paying for uh, a lot of the costs associated to operating the building. That's on a gross lease. So you're getting a flat fee and you're dealing with all the burden as the landlord. A net lease, uh, and there's no such thing as a triple net lease. This is a jar jargon uh, term that came about in the industry. People say double net, triple net, single net. Yeah, it exists, but really it's just net. And the essence of it is um, a net lease is where the tenant pays a rental base rent. That's one payment. And then there's a second net fee, which basically is, a, is a, a, a collaboration of the property taxes for the asset, the tenant will pay it. So you're, you're pass-throughing that expense straight to the tenant, the property insurance, um, if there's any kind of maintenance fees, then those types of costs, the tenant pays. So really as a landlord, the beauty is you're collecting a check every month that's net of all these expenses. And you know what that net basis is. So if the property tax goes up, for example, the tenants bears that problem in a net lease. So as far as an investment standpoint, a net investment, triple net investment, by the way, just to clarify what the net, triple net, double net means, is basically uh, one net means it's only one of those three primary costs, like property tax. Double net is property tax, and let's say insurance, property insurance. And then triple net is those two, and then let's say maintenance and common area fees, okay? So that's what the term triple net comes from. Um, so basically, it's a great opportunity. If you can find net uh, leases, it's always better for the landlord's position or the owner's position, investor's position. If you're a tenant, you always want your leases to be a gross lease because you don't want to deal with that fucking shit. You want the landlord to cough up that money. If you're a tenant, you want to be on a gross lease. If you're a landlord, you want to be on a net lease with that tenant. It's the opposite. 
And the benefits I just explained, very basic, is the costs involved, the fluctuation in costs as well. If you sell a building, okay, as the owner, and the new guy comes and takes over, there's still a tenant in place, right? There's a tenant, you're the tenant. You might get fucked up to ask, determining, depending on what's written on that lease, you might have to pay the overage of the new property tax if it goes up. If you're on a net lease, that's shit for the tenant, right? Um, a lot of times, like we were in an industrial park, which has multiple tenants, and the owner, you, you would pay uh, two checks, or just to, for accounting purposes, one for your basis of your rent for the space, and then another check for the net fees. And I, I would see these net fees go up, and I'm like, call the office, the management company, what the fuck is this? And, and you're like, oh yeah, we sold their position to a new company. And I'm like, and this is when I was like really young. It's like, what the fuck does this mean, man? I, I, as a business owner, you're looking at like, I know my, my monthly nut for this building is 10 grand. Now it became 12. It's a lot, it's 20% hike up. So that's something you should look for when you're negotiating your lease as a tenant. You wanna make sure that shit's on a gross basis and that you don't pay any influx of uh, real estate taxes or property insurance if there's an exchange or reassessment on that property. That's very, very important. I'll give you the first fundamental one. It's called surviving, okay? When you get into this game, into the real estate game, and you don't have any kind of financial crutch to lean on, which is probably what most people uh, are, are, are gonna need, and I'm not talking about money to go and buy a building. That's easy. Like I said, you find a good deal, money will come. I'm talking about how am I gonna pay my rent at the end of the month while I'm trying to figure out how to find that deal. That's the money you need to be looking for. And I tell a lot of my, the incoming people that want to enroll, I probably have a few thousand people that have enrolled to MTIPU, and a lot of them, you know, they can't afford the course. I'm gonna talk about it, and I'm, and I'm like, listen man, I'm gonna tell you the truth, if you can't come up with 1,500 bucks, or two grand, whatever it is, this is not for you. And the reason is because, forget the educational value, you're gonna probably need to spend, the, you know, whatever your monthly expenses on a monthly bit, two grand, three grand. I'm talking about basic living. If you can't, if you don't have a means to to justify that for the first 12 to 18 months, you're not gonna survive in this business. If you can't survive in this business, you will not make money in this business. But it's not because you couldn't buy the building. You understand? That's the misconception. They think, oh, I don't have a hundred grand or a few hundred thousand or millions of dollars to buy real estate, so I won't succeed in real estate or in commercial real estate. Where the truth is, you won't be able to last in this business if you can't pay your monthly nut. So my first point is, uh, the biggest obstacle is, if you don't have any savings, I'm talking about minimal savings, uh, you're pretty much, you're, you're, you're not gonna be able to survive, I'm not gonna lie. It's about the education. It takes you six months. If you're super smart, you're a wise ass, you know, you're hot stuff, it'll take you. I'm not gonna say you can't make money in a few months. I've seen it happen. Like me, walked in three weeks into brokeraging and I was lucky, I'm not gonna lie, I got lucky. I had a you know, devil tongue and I had a buyer hot to buy and it happened. But 
Not every day is fucking uh, Christmas, you know? So surviving is the name of the game. Well, the, sure. So first of all, this is my secret sauce, and I'm going to tell everybody about it because we worked really hard to build a company, really a marketing engine, excuse me, from all of this work that we've done. So we built a company called OnePropertyMarket.com. Okay, everybody can head on to it, the number one, PropertyMarket.com. This website basically sells you leads. It sells you pre-qualified, which means that there was a conversation with owners, sellers, buyers, and tenants anywhere in the United States, and that's for residential and commercial real estate. So that's option one. So if you have any money and you're spending it on marketing right now, physical mailers, Instagram, social, what I don't know what the fuck you're doing, okay? My shit is so hot. It's guaranteed that I'll reimburse you your funds if I don't deliver on quality leads. So that's number one. That's your number one resource to get leads and deals, off-market deals. You got to go to OnePropertyMarket.com. Now, if you don't have money, you're broke. You're trying to figure out how to make it. Rub two stones together. I got a solution for you too. Your ass needs to come work for me. You come work for me. You show me you can bleed for me. I'll bend over backwards and take it up the ass for you. Which means I'll give you leads. I'll give you so many leads, you don't know what to do with yourself. Leads are always available to those hungry enough and humble enough to put in the work ethic. So those are two, very simple. For the broke ones, for the ones with the money, you have two options. Here's the third option. Say, fuck you, Mike. I don't like you. I don't like the way you look. Like I said, I don't like the way you sound. I think you're a crook. Great. Go fucking figure it out. It, it took me 15 years of my life to give you this unbelievable, unfucking believable resource, hand delivered. Pretty, so pretty the website. You should go see it. Spent a lot of money and time in it to be able to give these leads. So it's either that or this, but really, uh, outside all jokes aside, if you're working in a local market in the United States, I'm looking for 100, 100, 100 uh, candidates to partner with. So our process, and I'm gonna jump in and tell you about MTIPU, it, it's over 20, maybe 30 hours now of footage, it's a curriculum uh, with Q&A and testing uh, that I put people through as a first step to wanting to, to explore what it is that we do. After you graduate MTIP University, we get you into something called MTIP Systems. Now, MTIP Systems, we're actually going to be launching, it's been a private uh, internal site, now we're going to be making it public, but it's basically going to give you access to all the technologies we use at a much lower price point for a subscription basis. These are from the tools we use for CRM, from researching property, from uh, uh, underwriting deals, from publishing to sell deals, all of it, all of it, forms, everything's gonna be in there. Uh, and you get that, as well as your ability to have me as your mentor. And obviously my time is not free, so I bill you based on whatever time you need. 
You get an online resource, which is me, and I really, I've sat down, it took me a year to make that course. Most people won't believe it, but that's how long it did. And it cost me over $100,000 to prepare it, so I can give it to people that are undereducated to get started or to get going into this business. Once you're in those two different uh, uh, segments of our business, you then have the opportunity to either come work for the brokerage, MTIP commercial real estate, get licensed. I'm, I'm hiring in Florida and in uh, California because that's where I'm licensed. And Or if not, you can go the investor route, which is most of the guys that end up or gals that are in MTIP commercial real estate, they've shown a track record, they've closed deals with me, um, and I've given them leads. They end up becoming junior principals with the Broadbridge Fund, which is my fund. I bring in my reps, and they become partners with me in the deals. Now, there's people out there, they don't want the education. They're smart. They already know what they're doing. They just want the leads. Go to OnePropertyMarket.com. You have the same leads I get. Okay? You want my systems. You don't want my education. Go to MTIPSystems.com. It'll be up less than 30 days. You get all that technology that I'm using without my face. Okay? If you want mentorship, then the only way I'm going to bring you under my wing is step one is MTIPU.com. You have to start there. I need to know that you're willing to put in the time. So the first 20, 30 hours um, is there. Once you're there, you have the choice to say, that was enough. I'm going to hop in and start doing this shit for myself or I still need guidance. And we teach you. I start everyone out at level one, which is prospecting. I teach you guys the ins and outs of how to prospect uh, for real estate. Then I teach you guys level two, which is what we call Q, comping, underwriting, and evaluating real estate. Okay, comping, underwriting, and evaluating. Then level three is contract law. I teach everybody all of my contracts. I give them access to it. I teach them how to use it, the technology we use behind it. Uh, and then four is negotiating to buy property. We get into negotiating. And then five is, uh, for the love of God, what's five? David? Oh, he's gone. Five is going to be uh, acquisitions. How to acquire, raise the capital and equity. And then six is going to be dispositions, syndications, and assignments. We teach this curriculum um, for those who want to sign up and join. So no matter how progressive or how early you are in the, in the, in the business, you can learn all this. Um, and we will gauge. If you come in, you graduated MTIPU, you got to know me and you say like, you know what, Mike? That was great. I feel like I know a lot of this shit and I got money and I'm starting to spend that money on mailers and I'm doing okay, I'm getting some deals, but I wanna know how you do it, then you, you can a la carte, do whatever you want. But my goal is to find 100 partners, whether they're brokers or not brokers, 100 partners in various markets in the United States so that I can scale. That's really my goals. All the ways, you just gotta put in the grunt work in your local market and I'll help you guys buy real estate, syndicate real estate at one point, and probably elementary, just broker deals for you to make more income for you and for your family. Look, Real estate is a relationship-based business. 
anybody in it will tell you that much. And, you know, my mindset is about scalability. It's very hard to, I don't know if you've ever recruited people, you train people. It's one of the most challenging parts of growing a business, uh, especially if it's 100% commission-based, which is what real estate is. So for me, I realized if I don't create value, if I don't give something of myself, which I'm doing anyways, when I hire someone, when I sit down, when I do these interviews, that's giving of my time. So I'm already doing it. So might as well do it on the, the most scalable platform possible to hopefully attract the most gifted people. And what I mean by gifted is, I'm talking about diligent people that are willing to sweat bleed, uh, sorry, uh, uh, sweat blood in their day-to-day -day work and craft. Those are the people I'm looking to partner with that are honest, that have self-integrity, that are respectful. Um, and it's hard when you just put up an ad on ZipRecruiter and try to you know, hire a human resources person to do this all day. The real way, the real reason, excuse me, behind this is so that I can scale my business, find people that are really, really interested in what it is that I'm pitching here uh, and partner with them. Partner with them, give them value and see them grow. You don't know what joy it brings me. You know, I don't want to drop names, but a guy named Mark, Minois, or Jan, or all these guys that are very close to me in the last several years in particular, to see them go from being a bartender or an Uber driver to being a landlord, a property owner, uh, and, and syndicating deals, it's super exciting, man. It's like watching your kid grow. And I'm only 33, and I feel like this fatherly love that... I probably had never felt before in my life. It's like a pride of ownership to see that happen. And I get to benefit from it because I get to do deals with them. And the fact, I know like, I, I found this great deal. Here, you, deal with it. And I know I don't need to teach you anything because you know all my tricks now. That's the beauty of it, right? So my benefit is, and I know I can't have a million relationships. Realistically, I know I could control a hundred people, relationships, I can give my time. I can give that essence, that genuine time and effort to 100 individuals on a monthly basis. Anything beyond that, it's like really killing me and it's unfair to the person I'm doing business with. So my goal is get 100, I'm gonna stop at 100, cause I can't, you know, that's, that's my limit for as far as dealing with people. And hopefully those 100 I'm finding strategically in different aspects of real estate, different areas of the country, um, different types of personalities and nationalities, you know, I, I don't care if you're African-American, Latin, Asian, Persian, Chinese, whatever you are, man, I'm down to know you and I love to do business with you. Um, if this is something that piques your interest, hit me up. And if you want, I think uh, I'm getting the cue. I think we have a, a, a promotional code here because everybody's coming from our guy, David here with Diamond uh, Cut Media. I think we created, a, you have a coupon code, don't you? You can offer these folks. You're gonna get 5% off right now. I think we're doing this for the next uh, few days with you. It's gonna be live. You can go to mtipu.com to register. It's free to register. Um, you can, we have uh, a questionnaire there for you to start. You want us to get to know you. Um, but if you wanna enroll, you can enroll and take advantage of the coupon code. Uh, it's not gonna be there forever. It's a small gesture and value for David here for taking his time. Um, and, and, and really promoting what I think is the best fucking real estate educational platform ever to exist. 
And I'm super excited, by the way, for the naysayers. And I want to take a moment to talk about these naysayers. There's people, I know you, you took the time, you're very kind to post about us. And uh, who are these people? Let me pull up my Instagram. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point these people out because I want you guys to know, not only can I school you, and I can school you, all of you, that are saying things that are out of context, you guys, none of you guys know and understand how hard it is. Even this interview that we're doing today, it takes a lot of people, a lot of resources, a lot of energy to be able to offer this kind of value. Forget the fact that it's for free to people that are out there that are itching, itching to just get a little squiver, hiver of what it is that we're saying. So for you to come and to publicly bash or discredit anybody, I think A, is very shameful, and B, I'm going to actually right now uh, respond to you because I don't have time to do this on Instagram, and I do this shit once a week, so might as well. So there's a guy here that I like to bring up, unless you got anything else, David, you want to bring up. I think we're doing it until uh, the weekend, right? Today's Friday. We're doing it for the weekend. Let them try to, to get in. Get in while it's hot and, uh, and hit it. Here's this guy. Wonderland Sauna. Okay? If you're out there listening to this, Wonderland Sauna. Why do you guys keep posting this guy? His plans are either predatory, non-detailed, or just incorrect. I'd like for you to hop on a call with me. I'll happily do it, all right? You guys can call me. My, my text number on my Instagram is available. You can text me there. And then I'll get on a call with you. And you tell me. Okay, I challenge you. I'll make a video. If you're, if you're ballsy enough, get online. And tell me what exactly is predatory, what is not detailed or incorrect about what I'm saying. Okay, that's one guy. Uh, who else we got here that's a shit talker that I'm happy to talk to? You want to you bring one up? You have it in front of you? Or you can't? You can't do it, right? Because you're doing the live. Turn, oh, here, here's another guy. Turnpike Fulio. That shark language scares people, but I want to speak more about leverage. Keep your, uh, keeping your value. Well, hopefully I talked about that today. So that, that wasn't a shit talker. Appreciate that. Ooh, sick facts. He sounds great. Okay. Never doing business with him or anyone he trains. Prince Yasher. Prince Yasher. Why wouldn't you want to do business with me? What in this face scares you or intimidates you from wanting to do business with me? Look at this. Such a sweet, good-looking face. No, all jokes aside, honestly... If you're scared, it's because you shouldn't be in sales or you shouldn't be in business. This isn't for the weak-hearted. You want to get into real estate, you want to get into business, you got to be a fighter. You got to have a fighter mentality and you got to be assertive and aggressive. And the guys that are making you know, the hundreds of million dollar level, they're never going to come on Instagram. They're never going to be on social. I'm like a little nugget, a fart in the wind compared to those people. And, and those people, they'll eat you for breakfast. They'll eat me for breakfast. They're ruthless. Ruthless. Okay? I haven't met a billionaire 
or um, a hun over 100 million or even 50 million dollars, and I know a handful of those people, that aren't relentless human beings, okay? So, if you can't keep, what is it, the, the heat in the kitchen, get the fucking out of the kitchen, it's not for you. You shouldn't be following this shit uh, unless you're entertained, which, whatever, be entertained. Who else we got here? Lead to, here's another guy, rational.madness. I'm calling you out too, rational madness. And people wonder how bubbles and creative financing lead to predatory practices in real estate. Any investor with $2 million to commit would scrutinize the contract six ways to Sunday, can't do sleight of hand with paperwork. You have to be royally screwing the seller to create such a vacuum of potential. Okay, first of all, first of all, Mr. Never done this before, okay? I can tell you, I've made hundreds of thousands, almost close to a million dollars in margin in my life on very small deals, okay? Just last year alone, there was a deal for $700,000 that I ended up flipping for double, 1.3 million, okay? It's possible. It happens. You can do it. And the fact that you're saying no, and the guy was educated, and the seller was educated. You just need to be able to understand there's opportunities. Some people are undereducated, he's right. Some people, but I'm not being a predator. If I go buy a t-shirt in China from Alibaba for a dollar and sell it for a hundred dollars, does that make me a predator? No, you retard, that makes me a fucking very good business person. So the fact that you write that or you say such a thing tells me you're very narrow-minded, you're not a business person, you don't understand the basics of business and economics. It's called you're in it to make money and you want to do it ethically with respect and integrity, which is what I do. But to write such a thing, it's just discouraging all these other folks trying to make that money and you shouldn't be writing that shit. So if you have any issues, hit me up, brother. I I'm right here. Who else we got? Get one more person and we'll, let we'll call this a wrap, right? Little, because there's a few, right? There's a lot, of, a lot of people wrote some stuff here. Little Demon Guitars Pro? I don't know, Guitarist Pro. You're a little, little demon and you're a guitarist. Okay, interesting. Easier said than done. First off, you need a syndicate of investors with that kind of capital. Second, they must be all stupid. Good luck with that. Okay, first of all, it is much more difficult. He's right. It's not easy. It takes a lot of grunt to get to a syndication level. I said that earlier too. You got to put in the time and the effort. So he's right about that. But to say that you, they all need to be stupid, I don't know where the fuck that came from. It's the, the opposite. It's about trust and it's about track record. For someone to give you money, you have to have those two things set aside. And I said that, and I explicitly said that because I'm a retard like you that wrote such a thing. It's obvious no one's going to give you a dollar unless you have those two things under your belt. So I don't appreciate that, and I don't want you to discourage. Those of you guys who are out there, don't be discouraged. You can be three best friends, and if each of you guys can scrape up 20 grand each and you have 60,000, just lower the caliber of the property. Go after a $100,000 building. Go after something that's feasible, and you can do it. A syndicate doesn't have to occur in hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. It could happen in five and tens of thousands of dollars. Okay? There's plenty of places in the country where homes are trading for 100, 200, 300. There's also commercial property trading for that little. Land is trading for that little. Land is a great, great play. People want to develop land. Find the land, tie it up. 
People are probably paying property tax on land. This is a, another idea for you guys out there. Land is a great, great uh, piece of property to assign, to do wholesaling that is overlooked. The owners are highly motivated because they're paying property tax on land that they're not generating income on, nor are they have a, a, an established building on. So they're not even getting the, the benefit of depreciation because you can't depreciate land. So sellers, you want motivated sellers, go after people that own vacant land. Um, and, and you can and thrive with that. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to continue because there's, there's some really engaging, funny ones. But those of you guys are out there, those of you guys are out there, all right, that are trying to get into this business, uh, into real estate, into commercial real estate, don't be discouraged. Don't believe everything you read, okay? Do your research, uh, study well, and you'll see that there's tons of opportunity. There's all all sorts of different ways to get into the game. There's a never, never gonna be a limit of resourcefulness for those of you guys who are hungry and eager to, to make it in this business. I gave you guys, and I'm gonna repeat it, MTIPU is your door in. Come work with me, door in. You can't afford it. I will gladly bring you in if you show me the work ethic. But you have to be able to sustain yourself. And that means, you know, if you, the best people that are just starting out, by the way, David, are people that live at home because you're living with your folks. <laughs> it's free rent, no rent. You know what I mean? If you have that ability or your monthly nut is so little that you can afford to spend the next 6, 12, 18 months of your life building that education, okay? I took a kid that's 20 years old. He's now 21. His name is David. He's a South Korean kid from Atlanta. Love the kid to death. He's like a little brother now. And I convinced him, I told him, drop out of school. Drop out and come work with me. He moves from Atlanta and I'm now housing him uh, here in Miami and he's my intern and he got his real estate license and he hasn't closed his first deal yet. I'm going to publicly say that. He's been with me for 12 months. He has not made $1. Yes, do I cover his expenses and I treat him like an employee? Yes, but I did this as a social experiment to see how long it would take someone that young with no experience and he's not really a salesy kind of guy. He's got a business acclimate, but he's not really into sales. Very soft-spoken guy. And I've taught him uh, so much that when I look back, and I was watching this video on him the other day, and I see him today, the guy is like a fucking machine. He's a machine. And I can't wait to see him the next 6 to 12 months. What the fuck's going to become of his future? Because of the education and the environment. Again, find those two things for yourself. You have these platforms available to you. Um, and, and the internet is such a small place now, you can do the research. But be careful of what you read online. And a lot of these people, these naysayers, this guy's a fucking guitarist. I looked up his account a second ago. You know, he's got virtually no followers. And what are you, what are you even doing making a comment like this? Say it, preach it, I like it. Good for you, that's amazing. 
Why? Why? Why are you cussing these people out? You should. Yep. Good for you. Can I can I tell you something? I never knew what the right thing was to do in life is, but I always knew what the wrong thing was. You, you can feel it like touching fire. You know you're doing so. You know you're, it's like, uh, you know, in Kabbalistically in Judaism, they say in reincarnation, we believe in reincarnation. You see someone for the first time, you can get a good vibe or you can get a really weird fuck you, like leave me alone vibe. And that's because we believe those souls met in the past and you're, and you're facing it again. And that person was like not good for you in the past life. And it's, again, it's like here to, for you to overcome that obstacle. So to, to reinforce what you're saying, you do have to be a motherfucker. You have to be okay with people calling you motherfucker. But I believe in justice, right? I'm all the Superman mentality. If someone writes something about me, I don't get offended. But I'm going to rip them a new asshole. Because I want the other person that's thinking about saying something not okay about me, about my family about my business to think twice. If you don't do it, you know what I mean? If, and if we don't do it for each other, if I know you and I've done business with you and you did right by me, why wouldn't I say good things about you? Right? And yes, yeah, sometimes you can't please everybody. Sometimes even with all of your heart, you want to do the right thing for someone, but you know, the waters get muddy. It's normal, it's business, it happens. But in the end of the day, generally, your intentions, and it's all about intentions, same thing with lawsuits, it's all about intentions. If you have a good person, you have good intentions, you're trying to do the right thing for people, then it will project and resonate, and I think people will overall see it. It's about repetition and staying consistent, 
and surviving, bro. It's all about surviving. The ones that end up on the top are the ones that could survive from the bottom up. And you right now growing and doing what you're doing, these interviews, the raising of the funds, all of this is all a journey for like all of us. And if you could just maintain, maintain. If it's incremental, minute progress, five new followers a day, whatever it is that you're like another $1,000 a month, then it's a huge success. And all these people, the white noise in the background it is just going to fade away. And so don't get offended because I can hear you. You have that, that little fire in you. Fuck these people, okay? God, if, God loves you. God loves me. God will bring good people into our lives. The creator of the universe will reciprocate what we put out, the energy we put out in the world. And uh, to all those people, though, that I feel very bad for, right? These people that have the time to say bad things, to write bad things, to think bad things, I feel horrible for you, man. Like, you guys need to, yeah, you're like, you know, you're in a very dark place in life. And I pray that light projects into your life and that you realize that there's so much more that this world can offer you. You just got to apply yourself. And there's a sundry of tools, like the one we talked about today, that can help you get ahead. You just can't be scared. Fear, man. No doubt, no fear. Have courage and fight through it. What's the worst case scenario is going to happen? What's the worst case scenario? You spend a year of your life, right? Your life for 50, 80 years. You spend a year, you tried something. You, you didn't make any money. That's okay. Because now you're a year ahead and you're far more intelligent and experienced and intuitive than you were the year before. So there's always a, an up for it. Don't be scared. Keep pushing forward. And Dave, I got to go. Because it's Friday, I'm a Jew, it's Shabbat, I gotta go have dinner with my folks and my family. But I hope everybody watching, even if they weren't live, and you're gonna project this after the fact, you guys take advantage of these resources because a lot of time, effort, and energy went into creating these platforms for people like yourself to take advantage and to grow with. Yes, do I make money? Yes, does Dave make money? Obviously we make fucking money. But the goal is to build something where everyone can make money. That's the real benefit of a true uh, prosperous business. No business thrives or grows when it's one-sided. Only one person or one side of the team is making the money. A great business, a company is comprised of many, many individuals, many people. So our goal in this dialogue is to bring awareness into this field, into the specific field, and, and to, to enlighten people like yourself, to get into this business. There's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of fucking money to be made. And, and the best part is, once you get to the higher end top of the spectrum, it's residual income, it's generational wealth, it's virtually no taxes, uh, and it's dealing with a whole different caliber of human beings. So, on that note, thank you so very much, David. I appreciate you and the opportunity uh, of speaking together today. Let's do this again in the future and uh, keep pushing and keep uh, preaching the good talk.